0: I'm going to do something that I never ever thought I would do, which is to critique Tim Keller. So, uh, so Paul talked about uh, the, the dangers or wrong ways to view a city, romanticize it, be uh, disdain it and be indifferent to it. I want to add one more, which is that we can become so fearful... And so enamored by the size and the scale of the issue that we think we can do nothing. We become inferior to it. And I think God says, Christ is risen, and if that's true, he lives in you and me, and he gives us all we need to share the love and the mercy and the compassion of God with the people around us for his glory so that his kingdom would grow. So if you're sitting there, either now or as we get to the end of the day thinking, how on earth can we do this? Please, please, please go back to the fact that Christ is risen. And in light of that, we can never feel inferior. In a right way, we know our place, but we know the God who rules sovereign over all. I just think it's really important we start there uh, before we go in to the rest of the stuff for today. Paul said God wants the summary of Jonah, God wants his people to share his compassion and concern for the wayward and the lost. I think Jonah's sin was probably that he thought God was only interested in him and, and his people, the Israelites. So when God, out of his mercy and compassion, saved the Ninevites, that didn't fit his worldview. And he threw his toys out the pram, and he got upset, and he railed against God. God longs... For every person that he's created to be in relationship with him. And that's what we're about here on this vision day. Yes, we need to remember that salvation comes from the Lord. But God wants us, each of us, to be in relationship with him. It's an exciting day as we give thanks for the, the completion of the Jubilee Project In both building and finances, we get the opportunity to thank God for his generosity, uh, to be thankful and to celebrate together, but also to look forward to what God has for us in the next chapter of life at St. Andrews. Where are we going to put our energies and our resources? How are we going to be church together? Today is a chance to corporately help shape our direction under God As we seek Him for our life together in this community, in this place, at this time. Through the day, I want to achieve three things. I want us to begin to understand what we're talking about when it comes to vision. Understand. Secondly, I want there to be the opportunity to explore some of this, explore it together. And thirdly, I want us all to know how we can be involved. Understand, explore, and be involved. If you're only here for the service today, then my hope and prayer is that you'll begin that journey of understanding. As I sort of speak about some of the things that have been on my heart. But if you're around this afternoon and over lunch, then there'll also be the opportunity to explore it together and think about how we might be involved So this part of our time together is about understanding. It's about beginning to understand what I think God is saying to us for this next chapter. So I wanted an opportunity to talk through my my thinking on vision and to lay out where I think we might be going in the next few years. I know that there's considerable debate over whether a church should even have a vision. Um, Surely we should just be following Jesus. And to some extent I concur with that. But one of the things that was said repeatedly to me when I arrived was that after the Jubilee Project, it's felt a little bit as though we could fall into a church without purpose, without clarity, and without vision. And I think vision gives the direction, the clarity to enable people to say, yes, I'm in, and I know what I'm in for. Because there are plenty of churches around Oxford, and you don't need to be sitting here. So why is it that you're part of this community? As I was thinking about that, I thought there are lots of reasons why you shouldn't come to St. Andrews. I know that sounds like a strange place to begin, but I want to start there because I think it gets us thinking about why we do come to St. Andrews. You see, first of all, it's likely that there's another church that you can invest in and be part of, which is geographically closer to your home than this one. Secondly, this is a rich part of Oxford, and you might do better to invest your finances and time in a poorer area. Thirdly, there are so many people here that if you left, then maybe nobody would notice, and your service might have a bigger impact where there's allegedly more need. Fourthly, there's such a diversity of worship styles and theology here at St. Andrews that we're always going to be struggling to be united as one family and we're never going to see explosive growth because we aren't focused enough on one particular worship style. Or fifthly, our parish here is so small that our impact can never really be great. I wonder if that chimes in with you. My guess is that at some point, one of those thoughts at least has gone through your mind. So, despite those things, why do you come? It may be because of of a particular friend, a ministry, uh, or an invitation that you've received. It may be because this is just what you do and it's become a habit, or because of, I don't know, the youth or the children's work. It may be that you uh, like the preaching or a particular style of worship. But I want to suggest that there are some brilliant reasons for coming to St. Andrews that counter those reasons not to. And they come down to our strapline, which is this. Growing God's family. Growing God's family. That's what this is about. That's what we're about here and further afield. For the sake of the world, we want to see God's family grow. Grow in depth grow in number, and grow here at St. Andrews and across North Oxford and way beyond. God calls his church into growth, and he calls his church as one body together. That's why in our differences, we're called to unity. And it's why we'll never be satisfied just with the people that we have here as much as we love them. We always need to be looking out breaking through the physical and the metaphorical walls that separate us from our neighbours so that God's love might be shown and so that his family might grow. Here at Sir Andrews, we defined a few years back our purpose together as this, to bring people in North Oxford and beyond into a life-changing relationship with Jesus Christ and with one another. It's taken me a while to get that into my uh, head and heart because it's not that snappy. I find it easier remembering uh, growing uh, God's family. But this was the purpose statement you came up with in 2015 when you previously did some work on vision. And I see no reason to change it. Our desire, our purpose is to see other people in the locality come into a life-changing relationship with Jesus. Jesus. And with us, who are the branches of the vine, the members of the family, the parts of the body that people out there can touch, can converse with, can hear. We are the light of the world. You and I are the light of the world. And our desire is to see others come into the light of Jesus through the power of God's Spirit. Well, that all sounds great, but what's the vision? (laughs) Well, before we get there, I want to talk about values. And I want to touch on this because the vision is primarily outward-facing. And that's a great thing because God causes people to look outward and not to stay as a holy huddle. But it doesn't stop our need to be the people God has called us to be. Disciples, loving, caring, studying, giving, sharing, worshippers of God what the Bible calls a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. Imagine that. You are a priest in the sight of God. You're a person who reflects Christ on earth to others, regardless of where you are or what role you're in. So our values are the things that guide us, that shape us, that tell us where we're getting our vision wrong. Because if these things disappear, then we lose something of what God is calling us to. Just as a reminder, these are our values. And they're quite a good set of descriptors. You might want to think about the one person who embodies St. Andrews to you. Don't say it out loud. <laughs> but who's that one person who embodies St. Uh, St. Andrew's, I wonder if they reflect these values. It's my prayer that increasingly we're going to hold these values together. First of all, that we worship God wholeheartedly. I love what we do with our music here. That's part of our worship. And I want to see that develop and grow. We live the Bible as we allow God to change us. That means first and foremost that we read the Bible, that we understand it or seek to understand it, that we teach it to one another, that we allow God's Spirit to work in us and through His Word. Thirdly, that we love one another. No person here is an island. Loneliness is one of the core issues that our society faces. And here in church, we get the opportunity to love each other as well as those we serve. Fourthly, we share, we're a people who share Christ. In the end, it is Christ who we exalt and who will do the work of changing our culture, our city, our neighbourhood. Because he has done all that's necessary to bring anyone who calls on him to salvation. So we're called to share Christ with others. And fifthly, our values are that we give generously. You've been a church that has given generously in many ways through the years. And more recently here with this building project. But how are you going to give generously in this next phase of our ministry together worship live love share give that sounds a little bit to me like jesus that sounds like people that really follow him and that's where we need to start so if there are values then the question is how are we going to fulfill this great vision to see people in north oxford and beyond Being brought into a life changing relationship with Jesus and one another. The values are great, but they don't give us direction or clarity. So I want to suggest three key themes for our vision for this time and this place. I've spoken about these at a very high level at last year and at this year's APCM, our annual meeting. And in the meantime, there have been a, 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 some working groups from the PCC who have done some preliminary work on what these might look like, how we might define them, and what some of the actions might be that relate to them. I've heard and listened and taken on some of that feedback, and so things have changed a bit since we last spoke at this, in, about this at PCC. But the core still remains. I want to see St. Andrew's as a place where everyone is accepted and welcomed, regardless of background. Whatever is going on in our lives, whatever struggles we face, where we live by God's truth and love, and that the church is the first point of call in the community for those that are in need, not the last. Where it's a source of joy and help, not a source of anger and frustration. I want to see St. Andrews as a place where you feel as though you're able to invite your friends and neighbors, knowing that there are people here who care, who can share Christ's love in positive ways, and where we know that our lives are made whole through sharing him together and encountering him, and we're able to spur each other on in our faith, in our love and our good deeds. So three areas of vision. First of all, I think it's about transforming communities, these are, the, uh, these are the, the, the phrases that I've been mulling over and thinking about. What does it mean to transform communities? Well, at the heart of transformed communities are transformed people. It's people who make the difference in communities as they bring hope and character and the nature of God's love, wherever they, they are, whether they're aware of it or not, into those communities. We, you and I, are his hands and feet on this earth. And therefore, we've got a duty to both speak words of hope and to do works of service. The local church is uniquely positioned to do both. Transforming communities at St. Andrews covers those activities that seek to lead people to Christ and to practically demonstrate Christ's love for the world. The early disciples were called to share the good news of Christ in Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth. And so we're called to share that news of Christ's love in our local parish, with our neighbors, in Oxford, and in all the world. We're already involved in that in lots of ways. Alpha has been a key method or program for sharing the good news of Christ in spoken word. But we need to think carefully about how we engage with our community and our neighbours, purposefully sharing the love of Christ. We've celebrated the use of this building, and many activities here are helping us to engage with others in our parish and our neighbours, through baby and toddler groups, choirs and orchestras, to name a few. We're privileged in this building to host Oxford Schools Chaplaincy, a charity which works with local secondary schools to share the love of Christ in those places. But how else can we support local schools in this place? How can we better support Oxford Schools Chaplaincy? Could we partner with another charity to see this space used brilliantly in the week to transform other communities? Lots of you are already involved in transforming communities in your own areas of interest. Some we know about and some we don't. Wouldn't it be amazing if we could point those that arrive here that are interested uh, in serving or have a particular need to a community of people who are already serving or have a passion, whether in or outside the church, in areas such as homelessness or asylum refuge or prison ministry or in particular areas of interest like science or sports or academia? Perhaps the most obvious area of our current involvement in community transformation is in Cutslow. So much has been done here through the years by God's grace. And we're continuing to work in that community just up the road. There's been good progress made with other churches and the CCA, the Cutslow Community Association, on working together for transformation in that community. Although the challenges remain considerable. To be clear, my long-term prayer and desire is to see a flourishing church in Cutslow, which is from the community and for the community. I want St. Andrews to be able to give that church away with the support of local churches and to be able to support from a distance. That's something I'm working on with others, and we hope that we'll see that that come to fruition in the near future. It may take some financial resourcing from St. Andrews to get us there. But transformation only comes when we ourselves are transformed. That's why we pray bring revival and start with me. Transforming communities. Secondly, developing godly leaders. I think we're in a unique position here in Oxford in the sweet spot of so many centres for leaders of the world, of the church, of mission agencies, of business and academic institution. The danger, as Paul pointed out, is that we romanticise Oxford, um, but the reality is that here at St Andrews we have our fair share of leaders in their own fields. We need to be careful, as Paul reminded us, that we're not shaped by the city, but that we allow God to shape us and, uh, and the city. The church has a role to not only identify and equip leaders for the church, but also to equip those who are already leaders in the outside world. And before you turn off and say, I'm not a leader, well, my definition of a leader is anyone who others choose to follow. And as a Christian, that means every one of you. Some may have particular gifts in leadership, but we're called to lead others, not necessarily from a place of power or authority, but from a place of influence, as those who recognize that leadership primarily belongs to Christ, that we're called to be servants before we're called to be leaders. There are two facets to this area of developing godly leadership as we've seen it so far. First of all, equipping for those in leadership wherever they may serve. And secondly, equipping for those in ministry leadership in the church. Why? Because leadership really makes a difference. Leaders shape culture. Leaders see others follow And if we can invest in those who are leading in and outside the church, then we'll see the impact of the gospel both in our community here and in our workplaces and organizations of which we're a part, changed by the love of Christ. What does that mean in practice? I think it means being clear about the gifts that God has given each one of us. Do you know the gifts that God has given you? And are you using them? How are you strengthening the body of Christ? And how are you contributing your gifts in whatever field of work uh, that you operate in, in or outside of the church? We want to help you understand your gifts and to use them to God's praise and glory. In a world of questionable ethical decisions in and outside of the church, we need to be raising up leaders in all fields who can make godly decisions who are captivated by the person and the leadership of Christ and who seek to serve others in humility. That means teaching on how to lead and live as a disciple of Christ and providing space for debate and discussion on Christian leadership in a changing world. Transform, lead and finally grow. Growing churches. In part, I believe that growing churches will be the fruit of our remaining in the vine, made possible by invo- our involvement in transforming communities and developing godly leaders. But I also want to put a marker in the sand for us with this element of vision. I'm excited by being a growing church, and I hope you are too. It does feel as if we're growing in depth and breadth. There's an excitement and an expectation when we gather and we can sense that God is doing something here with his people. I need you to recognize this, to hunger for more, to pray into it and to buy in what growing churches have always known, that in planting, in giving away, in resourcing others, we make space for more growth. We can never outgive God financially, Nor in people or resources that we give away. This means that we need to be a church that is growing. We need to keep investing in this church, not for ourselves, but because investment leads to growth. Growth both in depth, as we engage with issues and struggles in life as family together, but also growth in number as we open wide our doors. By my maths, and this is very rough, I reckon that there's about 1.5% of the population of North Oxford who attend St. Andrew's. Although, of course, um, many come in from other areas. So if we rather generously assume that 3.5% go to other churches, then that leaves 95% of the population of uh, North Oxford still to be reached. There's ample space for every church in this area of Oxford to grow and for there to be no competition. Secondly, I'm cognizant of the fact that the Oxford landscape is changing and the Anglican landscape is one that was built for 100 years ago, at least. The Oxford landscape is changing. Over time, we're going to see traffic being forced out of the city centre. Maybe even round here. You may, at some stage, not be able to drive here. Over time, we're going to see the housing situation change. I don't know what that's going to look like, but north of the ring road, there's going to be probably um, considerable building. And all of that gives us an opportunity, an opportunity for the gospel of Christ. And I believe we're called to be growing churches, not just growing here, but growing elsewhere. I want us to have on our radar the possibility of church planting or church grafting. Opportunities will arise, and we need to be ready to respond. Planting or grafting, whatever you want to call it, there are churches that are empty or nearly empty, and I want us to be a church that is able to provide the next curate, or the next ordained, or the next lay minister, to resource those churches and to help them grow. Not because we want to build the kingdom of St. Andrews, but because Christ's kingdom will grow as people are led to him. We want to see God's kingdom grow as it's it's expressed in different worship and theological styles, but God willing with people who have been shaped and helped by their time at St. Andrews. We already seek to do that with placement students from local colleges and with our curates. But we could do it more, I believe, with our lay people. There are new housing developments which will need new ministers and people to support them. And I don't think that the Church of England is financially in a place where it can serve all of that need. Some of those places, those new housing estates, are on the outskirts of Oxford. Others are further afield. But I believe that we can be a church that sends, which breathes in and builds up, which grows and then breathes out as it resources others. Transform, lead, grow. That's what we're about as we seek to bring people into relationship with Jesus. You're going to hear more about this in the weeks and months to come, and I really hope that you're going to be able to stick around this afternoon as we begin to explore this more and consider how we can be involved. Vision needs to be something that is movable, changeable, depending upon context and situation. It may be that in a few years' time, things need altering, or we need a different focus, But for now, I hope that these three areas transform, lead, grow, give us an umbrella under which we can consider the activities that we're currently involved with and consider new projects and ideas to help us move forward as a church. Growing disciples, growing God's family here in Oxford and beyond. You'll know the verse, Unless the Lord builds the house, the laborers labor in in vain. Our calling first and foremost is to remain in the vine that is Jesus. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So we seek to transform, to lead and to grow, but we underpin it all with prayer. We pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It's a a prayer cry to the king that his kingdom will come and be done on earth in Oxford as it is in heaven. I believe that at this time that's about transforming, leading and growing. But Christ is the one who leads us. God wants his people to share his compassion and concern for the world. That's Jonah. How are we going to do it? Here in Oxford. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are head of the body, that you are king and sovereign over your church and your people. So please, would you draw us to our knees that we would hear from you, receive your spirit and be emboldened to serve your world and this city, that we would see communities transformed. We would see leaders developed and grown and churches growing here and elsewhere. And would you, in your glory and your power, deign to use us? The church's uh, prayer for today brings this together beautifully. Almighty God, who through your only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, have overcome death and opened to us the gate of eternal life, Grant that, as by your grace going before us, you put into our minds good desires, so by your continual help we may bring them to good effect. Through Jesus Christ, our risen Lord, who's alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.